This is the Leapcast, where we talk about how today's current events impact your real life. If you are tired of politics or you are just exhausted from the spin, this show is for you. My name is Andrew Lieb, and every week I host a talk radio show breaking down the news from an independent point of view. We discuss real estate, business, and your health. Hear from the experts and learn the truth on the Leapcast. Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lieb. There's so many issues that I just can't keep track of, Lauren. And it's wild how we got New York State eviction moratoriums, federal eviction moratoriums, judges. I don't know if you saw the Supreme Court is weighing in on this stuff now. It's it's wild. Leslie um, Mendoza, who does our landlord-tenant practice, just put in this week applications to start evictions again that were stopped because of moratoriums. And she cited in the application that the U.S. Supreme Court had ruled. And I just, I, I'm a little overwhelmed. And I know like you, you've had enough of these tenants, squatter, non-payers that owe tons of money that keep living there. And I thought you'd feel good to hear she asked for something like $100,000 in back rent and it's getting done like good stuff to Leslie. So I want to bring on Miss Mendoza again, my brain, we, you know, Pinky, she's the brain. And I just can't keep track of this. So I want to know about foreclosure. I want to know about evictions. I want to know about rights for creditors, I guess that's the right word, in the real estate world, whether they're people that are issuing loans. I want to know about evictions. I want to get up to speed of what I know you want to get up to speed. And I'm an attorney that works in this field, and I can't keep up with it. I said to Leslie earlier this week, I was like, can you just write a simple blog in English because I can't read these cases anymore? I'm sick of it. And I don't even know. So Leslie, we're going to play 20 questions very quickly. It's just going to be like, yes, no, and then we'll get into it. First of all, is there is there a New York State moratorium? For evictions, no. For foreclosure? For foreclosures up until August 31st of 2021. For federal evictions? For, yes, up until October 3rd, 2021. Aren't you already confused of what she's talking about? So I just can't believe she's not even reading anything that she just knows this off the top of her head. Well, she she's a big creditor's rights person. So we're, let's go back to, I just want to understand. So we did state, there's no state eviction moratorium. Yes. Correct. And why is there no state? I thought there was one until, no? What happened? So in New York, there was one for people who file a hardship declaration up until August 31st, 2021. But on August 13th, the U.S. Supreme Court invalidated the effect of filing a hardship declaration. All right, whoa, whoa, whoa. Too much for me, too fast. <laughs> it, like I'm telling you, this this gal, it's like, and she, oftentimes when I'm with people, they're like, stop speaking lawyer. And Leslie's just like straight to the the, the heart of it. So I want to I wanna get this. So there, if I was to read, if I was to pick up a paper, there's technically still an eviction moratorium in New York State. Did I hear you correct? Correct. But then there was a case that went to the U.S. Supreme Court on this issue. Yes. And mind you, this would have been over in a week anyway, because in September it was gone. Correct. But until it was over, until it's over. So like if you're one of these landlords, it's for residential only, right? Not yes. commercial. You're one of these residential landlords and you think your lawyer is not getting in touch with you. You've been waiting for a court date. You're waiting for the sheriff to do something. 
basically what happened is this moratorium had a requirement. It didn't just automatically apply. Am I getting this right? Yes. And so what happened was a tenant, a respondent in a landlord-tenant matter, would have to give you or serve you or something, this paper, that said that they qualified for the moratorium. Is that correct? Correct. And so what you're telling me is that the U.S. Supreme Court took up that issue. Yes. And which justice? I think it was the most conservative of them all, the Trumpster's justice, right? It wasn't her? It wasn't her? You're shaking your head no. It wasn't Amy? No, I don't feel Oh, I thought it was Amy. All right, so maybe, do you know? I'm not sure. Oh, I think it was Amy. So um, you got you got the, the, it goes to the U.S. Supreme Court, though. I yes. got, are we there? We're on the same point? Yes. All right, so we're at the U.S. Supreme Court, and what did the U.S. Supreme Court rule about the New York moratorium? I just want to understand that. The U.S. Supreme Court said that the tenants themselves shouldn't be able to decide whether or not they have hardship. So basically what the U.S. Supreme Court said is that it's unfair that a tenant can qualify themselves to a moratorium. Instead, they should be able to make an argument that they qualify, and the landlord should be able to make an argument that they don't qualify. And this due process thing, everyone's into free speech, free religion, free guns. I'm into the due process thing, also in those Bill of Rights thingies. Um, And the due process thing means that you get the judge to decide. That's like basically what English due process means. Like there's like a court and someone makes this decision. It's not just up to the all-powerful tenant or the all-powerful landlord or Lauren the emperor. Empress? Empress? It should be me. Is it Empress? Empress. Empress. So, just so I'm understanding, because the judges, the Supreme Court, the justices of the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court invalidated this aspect of the New York moratorium, it sounds to me, maybe you'll correct me, but why is it not effective? Shouldn't it just be now that based on their decision, a judge needs to decide? I agree with that. Um, But... It's also a few days till the 31st and before a judge could even um, could even act on the decision of the Supreme Court, they also have their own court procedures to follow. Got it. So let's just go with this. For simplistic measures, the U.S. Supreme Court invalidated functionally. I'm going to put the word functionally in there and lawyers were big sticklers of what technically happened versus functionally happened. So functionally, there's no New York residential eviction moratorium anymore. If it was just up to New York, you could evict those deadbeat tenants. Am I correct? Yes. But then I heard that Biden, he flip-flopped. First, he said that he's not going to have the CDC do another moratorium because, again, U.S. Supreme Court, right? U.S. Supreme Court said, hey, you can't do another moratorium. And then he did another moratorium. So is there a federal moratorium right now? Yes, um, there is a CDC eviction moratorium whoa, whoa, whoa. right now. But the CDC is the Centers for Disease Control, not the Centers for Eviction Control. So isn't that – I thought that that's why they said last time around that they were going to let it stay, the uh, the moratorium. But they were like, listen, you guys are outside your power, functionally speaking. Um, you got to stop with these moratoriums. Isn't that what happened last time this was all challenged? Yes, and in the first time, in the first time, then it was challenged. It was taken down. It was struck down. So but just to be clear, there was a prior CDC moratorium that was struck down, but they let it stay in effect until it expired on its own. 
Yes. Okay. But this is a new one. So what does that have to do with, like, how are they doing a new one? And then there was an appeal to that prior decision, to that prior decision. And then during that appeal, the court put a stay on vacating the prior stay. They put a stay on vacating the prior stay. The you're prior gonna, I speak lawyer, and you're going to have to interpret that so one. So they, yeah. they put a stay on about? vacating the prior moratorium. So basically, in English, they said, we don't think this moratorium is effective, and we're going to get rid of it, but we're going to not make this ruling come into effect yet. Correct. So what that, what that means, Lauren, is they struck it down. You can't make just uh, you don't understand faces because uh, this isn't mm-hmm. a, a TV show. I don't so, understand. So no, but she's like staring me down like I'm not making sense and uh, <laughs> like I don't think like anyone knows that you're staring me down like evil eye okay, stank visualize eye. Visualize me staring him down, everybody. Well, stank eye doesn't work on the radio, dude. So anyway, basically what happened and Lauren, you just have to verbalize if you don't get it this time. Okay. Is that the prior CDC moratorium and Leslie, you tell me if I'm wrong, was struck down. It's not right. It's a wrong moratorium. But they said, for a matter of health, we're going to let it stay in effect anyway, even though we struck it down technically. They, they, they didn't strike it down right away because it was only a couple days until it was set to expire. But they did rule that it was invalid. Yes. So they did strike it down, but they just said the effectiveness of striking it down isn't going to happen. Yes. So basically, they didn't strike it down. Yes. Functionally. Functionally. They said they would, but they didn't. Yes. And that's why everyone's so confused. So anyway, so then strike down the last one, but it expired. Do we agree with that? Yes. And so then Cuomo says, hey, not Cuomo, sorry, I'm getting confused with my governor, uh, governor and uh, president, you know, Cuomo's out. So I get all, and did you know he's been issuing bills? I said last week, he's not going to sign bills. He signed a few this week. I I don't even, Cuomo, you confused me, man. I'm going to go to Chris. He'll tell me what's going on. But Biden, the Biden man, right? Yes. I feel like Biden, forgot some stuff. So the Biden man. He he um, first says, no, CDC doesn't have authority because we got struck down last time, even though we functionally could do it. But then he goes to the Harvard professor who says, you can have one. Isn't that what he did? He went, he went and he asked the Harvard professor, says, you can have another moratorium. So now they have a moratorium towards to October 3rd. Am I correct about that? Correct. Okay. But wasn't that moratorium challenged in court? Yes. And so... Didn't we already learn last time that they thought it was to be struck down? What happened? Do we still have a moratorium? What happened to the federal moratorium? So for the second eviction moratorium, the court is going to abide by the previous stay in the previous eviction moratorium. So they're, so they're not invalidating this current CDC moratorium yet. Did they rule like last time that this one shouldn't be effective or they just said we're keeping the stay going? We're keeping the stay going. And so the stay is going until when? Until October Oh, until the um, the appeal is determined. Oh, so there's still an appeal on the prior case. Yes. And where's this appeal? Is this in the Supreme Court? Is it DC Circuit Court? So the middle. So the first there's the District Court, then there's the Circuit Court, then there's the Supreme Court. Correct. So after this appeal is determined, though, we're obviously going to be in the Supreme Court. Yes. So we're going to have to see if there's a stay until then, or if the uh, moratorium expires on its own. Yes. And so this moratorium, though, it's pretty confusing. But on the Leap blog, blog.leabatlaw.com, we broke it down a little because it's supposed to only apply in certain geographic areas based on how prevalent COVID is. Am I correct on that? Correct. And while right now it seems to apply everywhere because Delta is just spreading like bonanza, it says that they could get rid of the moratorium too, right? Mm-hmm. So right now I'm a landlord. This is what I really want to know. I'm a Northeastern landlord. 
I'll make it easy. I'm in Florida where there's more COVID than people. So that was an overstatement, by the way. So, well, you know, they say that there's more votes than people that were on the voting rolls. So I can make an exaggeration like that too, that there's more COVID than people. You see, it goes both ways. So while we're making up fake stuff in the political arena, isn't that, isn't that what um, the whole argument of, of these like Rudy guy is, is that when you're in politics, there's different standards of defamation. I don't know that Rudy won this, but isn't that what he's arguing? That you could just say, well, false things people know is false. So and I'm not as famous as Tucker, and Tucker, everyone acknowledged on the Fox News that no one thinks that's real news. So I just make just I, entertaining fun. So anyway, back to us. I'm a landlord. I'm in Florida. I'm in New York. I'm in Texas. I'm a landlord. I'm in California. Can I evict a tenant today? Yes, if they don't give you a CDC CDC declaration. So it's up to there is still the CDC moratorium that could block us, but it's on the tenant to give it. And my favorite part of the CDC moratorium, which we did on the Leapcast last time, I had a lot of people are against the CDC moratorium and they're for against CDC. Do they have power? Should it be HUD? Should why is Biden overstepping? And I told them they're all idiots. The CDC moratorium's good, good, Leslie. It's good for a landlord, creditors. You know why? It says the tenant to sign to sign the declaration, to get the moratorium. It says the tenant needs to have made their best effort to pay rent, not zero rent, as much as they can. Now, I would argue that it's susceptible to the same thing as the New York moratorium because the tenant could declare on their own that they did something without a judge and without a hearing and without due process, so it should be overturned just like the New York moratorium was, but that's for a whole nother day. Right. For now, shouldn't we stay with the fact, I hope tenant... I can't evict you. And I love your declaration. How about you give me all that money you owe me and then stay as long as you like? Isn't that what that really the declaration says? Yes. All right, let's shift topics up for a second. We did evictions, and I want to just get an update on foreclosures too. There's no foreclosure moratorium, you said, in New York State. So in New York State, the foreclosure moratorium still applies until um, August 31. All right, so right now, Sunday, we're talking about a week. Yes. Until this moratorium's over. So in a week, are we going to see a floodgates? This is really what I want to know. One week from today, you're telling me the 31st, right? Or is it the first? The first. The first of September. First of September. Are we going to see a floodgates of people getting foreclosed on? Is this the opportunity for investors to strike? Should we go right now? Are we going to be saying, hey, they're going to get served. Let's go. Excuse me. I've seen a list pendants being filed on your house. I'd like to offer you cash for keys. I'll give you very low money. I'll get you out. Come on. Let's go. Sorry, but the answer is no. What do you mean no? <laughs> so wait, when can that happen? Yeah, we want to go. We want to go take advantage of the deserve the disadvantage. Come on. So no, Andrew's being sarcastic. Beginning August thirty first, lenders have um, certain procedures they have to go through before they can even start a foreclosure proceeding. Do you know oh, what? Like a thirty day letter, a sixty day letter, yeah, how about a ninety that? day letter. Nope. Um, there's more to there's more to it than that. They have to lenders have to actually make an effort to contact their borrowers to see if they're um, able to to enter into a loan modification agreement with them. But usually when you owe money, you hate when debt collectors call you and you don't answer the phone. And you don't open your mail. And so are you telling me that someone who's what's called a mortgagor, someone who borrowed money that gets a call from their lender should pick up the phone? Yeah. Why? Well, because it's always easier to work with your, with your bank early on rather than later. When you say work with... I, I, I've been to the bank before, Leslie. 
Well, they all closed down, but... Oh, yeah. No, I've been there. Okay. I've been there. And so I don't know that they actually want to work with you. I think they want to take your 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 soul. So my my question to you is, is there protocols in which the bank has to work with you? Yes. What does that mean? So the bank would first contact you to see if you can... Ring, ring, ring. Hello, Leslie at the bank. Um, I would like you to work with me. What are they going to be doing? What does working with you mean? Are they going to hold my hand, sing Kumbaya? What are we doing here? No, they're going to ask you if um, you can complete a, a loan modification application with them. So I complete the application. If you're eligible, then obviously you'll get the offers that they're, that are available to you. If not, then... Um, they can proceed with the foreclosure process. So am I understanding today that if someone doesn't want to get foreclosed on right away, even if they're not going to actually be able to apply or qualify, I think that's a better word for a modification, a mortgage modification just meaning they're going to give you a lower interest rate, a bigger term, they're going to forgive some penalties, some interest, some attorney's fees, they're going to give you an opportunity to stay in your house. Even if I don't have the income level to qualify, even if my debts are too high to qualify, by the sheer fact of me trying to qualify, are you telling me that I'm putting off foreclosure even longer? Yes. So as a investor, a real estate investor trying to time the market, you're telling me September 1st isn't my date because there's this first protocol where they have to go through this process. Am I correct? Correct. And then you're also telling me that if no one answers the phone, there's going to be the first wave of foreclosures that I can invest in. Right. And if they do answer the phone, they're going to get to try and apply for a modification. And if they get denied, there's going to be the second wave of foreclosures that I'm interested in. Right. And then if they do do a modification, they could be a redefault or otherwise. And the foreclosures are going to start. So foreclosures in a place like New York, for example, a minimum of a year, usually three years. But when the process is going, we're seeing attorney's fees. The interest rate goes up because it's the penalty, not just normal interest rate. And you start eating your principal right away. Is that true? Right. And so someone who's getting foreclosed on in a place like New York, assuming they don't answer the phone or assuming they get denied on the first wave or the second wave of the modifications, what you're telling me is there's going to be a huge opportunity. So what I'm getting is from this whole chat with you as an investor, a piranha, I, I'm, is this like a year? No, year I want to go. Half, listen, like, listen, I, listen. I, I, I'm going to do this, Lauren. Okay. You're going to like this, right? Okay. If we're going after people that weren't selling their houses because they had tenants in the house and they couldn't show the property, you're telling me that after October 3rd, pending no further extensions, there's going to be a wave of potential sellers trying to sell their rental property that are done being small landlords. Okay. Am I getting that? Right. And then am I also getting that on September 1st, that's not my date because they're going to have to do reach out efforts and there's times that they have to try and call and get in touch with respect to foreclosures. Maybe again, October 3rd, maybe the start of the wave. But really, we're talking getting into the end, maybe December-ish before I see wave number one on the foreclosures. And then you're saying wave number two, probably three to four months later when they're applying and they get denied somewhere around March, April, 2022. And then we're going to see the third wave like a year or something into the foreclosure thing. So really our sweet spot of investing, if we're thinking on the, the fundamentals that evictions and foreclosures are going to change the market, we're seeing second half, maybe fourth quarter even, of 2022 into 2023 is when the opportunity is going to be knocking. Yes, I believe so. Leslie Mendoza, this has been The Leapcast.
Find us on social media at Listen to Leave or visit listentolieb.com. Are you thinking about investing in real estate? If so, you need to order your copy of the book, 10 Strategies to Purchase Property Post-Pandemic. You need to get this book today. It's going to detail everything that you need to know from the time that you say, I want to invest to the moment that you close on your next purchase. Before you make that next real estate investing decision, get your copy of 10 Strategies to Purchase Property at www.theleapcast.com. Leap, L-I-E-B. Get your copy at theleapcast.com.